It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Howdy, folks. Happy Thursday. Uh, we are back. We have some games to discuss, some news regarding Sidney Crosby, a interesting waiver uh, placement this morning, and a few other things. Uh, Russ, start us off with some non-hockey pre-show. Well, I want to mention um, Jacob deGrom won back-to-back Cy Youngs. I think he was one vote short of unanimous, too, like Pete Alonzo. But this time, I get it. Like, look, Scherzer had a good year. The Dodgers pitcher had a good year. I never know how to pronounce his name. So Walker Walker, Walker Bueller. No. Uh, oh, Ryu. Ryu, yeah. And so that's fine. But he did something that even Tom Seaver didn't do with the Mets, and that's win consecutive Cy Youngs. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do in any era. I still think it was harder to do in the seventies. I'll be honest, but it's hard to do in any era. So it's a pretty, uh, pretty big feat. And at least if the Mets fans didn't make the playoffs, they at least you know can think have at least a better winner seeing some of their players win. Well, I, I was curious. I was uh, taken aback a little bit by the AL Cy Young because the winner wasn't even the best pitcher on his team. And he won the Cy Young. Yeah. Well, you know, Garrett Cole should have won, but they gave it to Verlander. Maybe it's a career appreciation award because, you know, this is probably – he's 36 and Cole is 28 or 29. I would have given it to Cole. Though. Cole was down – Cole didn't lose a game since May and was one of the few reasons – one of the one of the many reasons that the Astros got to the World Series. But um, there was an interesting stat. Verlander last season gave up 36 home runs. Right. Um, Greg Maddox, in his four World uh, four Cy Young awards, gave up cumulatively a total of thirty three. So that's a reflection on the game today, but it's also a yeah. reflection on the fact that Maddox was unbelievable. Yeah, but he also a little bit of help with the strike zone. Yes, I mean you could drive a Mack truck through the strike zone back then. You had ref- you had uh, umpires like Eric Gregg, who, you know, if you're pitching a foot outside the strike zone, he would give you the strike. Yeah, so I, I get that. Um, what the heck I was gonna, I was going to bring up? Oh, the uh, the uh, the Astros. Yeah. So the Astros. It's interesting because the discussion goes on now. Alex Cora and Carlos Beltran are two big names that are thrown into this mix. Of course, the Mets just hired Carlos Beltran and are probably going to get a lot of questions and negative PR out of this. One person we're not hearing from is Rob Manfred. And again, all we hear is through writers that MLB is, is investigating. Like you need to hear from the commissioner. Well, this is like, how long is this going to go on until the commissioner at least tells us that much? The, the uh, Houston Astros GM who, by the way, the Astros are doing their own investigation. I'm sure that's going to be right. Oh yeah. That was great. The, you know, during during the uh, Spygate Spy Gate and 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 uh, and Bounty Gate. Um, but, oh, no, no, I'm not even talking oh, about that. Oh, you mean about the assistant GM? Yes. Yeah, about the assistant GM. That that was a great investigation. Yeah, but um, no, this is. I mean, honestly, um, 
there's tight lips going on right now because Lunau was asked at the general at the uh, winter meetings about the situation, and he kept quiet. And Brian Cashman, which was interesting, Brian Cashman was asked uh, in an interview whether they had filed any grievances with Major League Baseball, and he was he refused to say because he didn't want to. So that that means I mean they did. That means they did, and it went up. It went on deaf ears because Major League Baseball didn't want to. Uh, in impugn the you know the 2017 world champion and the team that was in the world series. I mean, we all know that this team is a bunch of friggin' cheaters. Well, I mean, now it's getting ridiculous. And I never thought I would say Bud Selig was better than anybody as a commissioner, but he's better than Rob Manfred, and that's really sad. It's sad that I'm actually saying that, but but Rob Manfred has already dropped the ball by not do saying anything. He has. That is, he initially has dropped and fumbled the ball. Now it's just a question of how far down is he going to fumble this and what is he going to do to make it right? Because look, there are people that say, well, everybody cheats, everybody steals. You know, not like this. This is different. There is, like I said, we talked about it yesterday. I don't want to go into details about it again, but I'm just saying there's a difference. Right. Um, interesting story here. And, uh, I'm not going to elaborate on it. Just uh, it was an interesting little note. Um, apparently, the Washington Capitals lost the cup-winning puck from 2018. Um, now, I, this is the first I've heard of it. Did somebody call Chris Pronger? <laughs> well, according to this story, in uh, was it the Russian Machine website? Right. Um, the cup winning puck was purchased online by motivational speaker, Tony Robbins. He bought the puck and he gifted it back to capitals forward, Lars Eller, who I believe was the guy who scored the game winning goal. Okay. So I'm just shocked that it got lost in the first place. I mean, you'd think that it would either would have gone to Eller or to gone to the hockey hall of fame or something like that. But how could that be lost? Well, at least Tony Robbins did the right thing and finally used some of that <clears throat> money um, for good use. Well, he should use the he should use some of that money to get his horse horse teeth taken care of. But that's just a personal uh, personal uh, observation. Okay, hello, hockey world. Today is Thursday, November fourteenth, twenty nineteen. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Lagello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. All right, let's start with where everything should start, Toronto. Uh, and the Maple Leafs and New York Islanders. And I, I don't see Joe Morello in the chat. So uh um, hit me up a few times yesterday on Facebook. Yes, I'm sure, you know, him and him and his uh different things, not 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 hockey related, I don't think. Yes, but uh I'll, I'll tell you, the, the, for for Leaf fans, this was an incredibly frustrating game. Not only not only because of the chance of the knuckle dragging Neanderthals at Nassau Coliseum, but the um, the Leafs in the first two periods dramatically outplayed the Islanders. They they dominated the first I would say ten to twelve minutes of the first period. Couldn't didn't get a lot of shots on goal. I think they only had five in the first period, but. Um, I thought dominated play, won a lot of puck battles, had some opportunities, could not get the opening goal. Islanders come down. Matthew Barzil scores the uh, on a giveaway from Andreas Janssen and William Nylander. 
gets the opening goal. They score on the power play to make it two nothing. Um, the the Leafs come back early in the second, get a Casper Kapanen goal, tie it on a Neilander goal, nice play. So Janssen and Neilander make up for their mistake and make a nice play. And they hold the Islanders without a shot on goal for I think the first thirteen or fourteen minutes, and then on a turnover. Tyson Berry exits the zone too early. They turn the puck over, and Bouvillier scores in second of the game to give the Islanders a lead that they never relinquished. They open up a 5-2 lead on another power play goal and an empty netter. The Leafs come back, get a couple goals uh, to make it look better. But this is, you know, this is a situation, Russ, where I think the Leafs, in terms of dominant play, outplay the Islanders, but and I made that point about this uh, on Twitter and, of course, got a lot of uh, chatter back and forth. Uh, Leo Komarov with a hit on one uh, Justin Hall. Scott Mayfield with a run on John Tavares. No response from the Leafs. Emotions high at Nassau Coliseum. Hits like that whip up the crowd. It gets a team into the game emotionally. There's no pushback from the Leafs. They, they're not that type of team, and I get that. That's the team that's being built, but that is a problem with this team because they get out-hit, they get out-muscled, they get out-strengthed, if that's a word. It's um, not, but it's okay. But okay. Yeah, it's my Buffalo uh, education. But those things matter, and in games, you know, unless you're dominating, unless you have overwhelming speed and skill over the other team – that kind of stuff matters. And in the end, those provided the sparks to the Islanders that got them back in the game or got them out of a long slump during the game. And Toronto doesn't have that. And I, I just, I'm starting to have some doubts about this team and whether the all speed and skill and no toughness or very little toughness, very little pushback is going to work for them. Well, first thing is, as far as the Islanders go, there's times where they don't generate a lot of scoring chances. So I can't give the Leafs too much credit for holding them to the small amount early on because a lot of times that's part and parcel of their game. Mm -hmm. sort of sitting back waiting for a mistake to happen. Uh, you did point out to me that a mistake did happen on, on a Bavolier goal. And, and that is what they capitalize on a lot of times. But again, teams that want to play the same way as the Islanders, if you're going to be a copycat league, you're going to get beaten by this team. Mm -hmm. They've been playing this way for almost two years, and Trotz has been doing it for longer than that. You've got to go at it a different way. We've talked about how to do it. Obviously, the Leafs didn't do it. It's a, it's a problem. I mean, you – now, again, I still don't think this makes the Islanders the best team in the league. I don't because I think all they're doing is exploiting the regular season a little bit. I think that's what it ultimately comes down to because they're playing – this brand of hockey, which I don't love, but it's effective as hell. And teams now sort of fall into it like, all right, you know what? We'll beat you at your own game because coaches sort of get that way, and they can't. I heard – and uh, bear with me for a second because I'm going to make a, an analogy that's historical to, to the way the Leafs are playing. I, I once listened to an interview of somebody who wrote a book on the Titanic, and – the philosophy of the captain of the Titanic when it came to icebergs was a philosophy called cracking on. It was basically the way to get through an ice field was to go as fast as you can through the ice field and get it behind you. 
Right. Because, you know, which doesn't make any sense because you no. think you'd go slower. You That is I'm the gonna run around the brick wall rather than run into it. Right. That Coyote, on the other hand, doesn't. That, that's the philosophy of the Leafs in their own defensive zone. It's like, let's get out of here as quickly as we possibly can yeah. because we stink in our own end. And the problem is, is that because you stink in your own end, you're going to give up the puck. And that's what happened on the basically the game-winning goal on the goal that turned the tide was you had Kerfoot give away the puck. Uh, Barry was exiting the zone thinking that they had possession so he could jump into the attack. They turn it over. Muzzin is back by himself two-on-one down low, and it goes to Bavillier, and he slips it through Anderson's pad. Their philosophy in terms of of terms of their own defensive zone is let's get it out of the zone as, possible, as quickly as we possibly can. It's not orderly. It's not structured. It's haphazard. And I can't blame, I can't blame players on that. I have to blame the coach on that. You do. You do have to blame the coach. But again, there's ways to go about this. Clearly, they didn't do it, and they got stung. And that's where a lot of teams are finding that out. So we'll see if, if, if in the middle of the season, as we roll on, teams get a little smarter and, and start playing the Islanders differently. But, you know, Thomas did hit me up on Twitter last night saying, hey, he doesn't like Verlamov. He's given up eight goals in the last two games. And, see, that's another – that is a little bit of a worry because Grice is good, but do you want to run Thomas Grice out as your potential one? That's where they could run into some trouble too. Yeah, and, and you know, the somebody observed on, on Twitter that I think the Leafs have nine victories right now. They're six – they have six in regulation, three in either overtime or shootout. The six regulation victories are against the teams that are at the bottom of the NHL standings. So right now the Leafs are not, you know, the, the Leafs are not beating the teams that are supposedly they're equal or maybe a little better. They're only they're 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 only beating the teams that are the also rans in the league. Now they they canceled their practice today. They had some sort of team meeting. They have a tough schedule. Had a lot of road games over the next m month. I mean. Again, I keep saying and I will continue to say that Mike Babcock is not getting fired for the rest of the season unless they fall so dramatically out of the race for the playoffs that there there's no chance of them making it. Um, you know, if they lose 10, 12 games in a row, then he might be in trouble, but he's going to get the whole year. But right now, I think there has to be some sort of change in philosophy in Toronto. You've got Tyson Berry, one of the best power play point guys in the league, and he's playing second power play uh, while Morgan Riley is the first power play guy. And Morgan Riley is a really good offensive defenseman, but he doesn't have a shot from the point. Their power play is in the bottom third. Their penalty killing is in the bottom third. Their special teams are killing them. They didn't get a shot on goal on two power Power plays. They gave up two penalty, two goals on Islander power plays. I mean, special teams, uh, backup goaltending, team defense are all big factors, and they're losing on all those factors. Well, I just think Babcock's going to crack on. I really do. <laughs> I don't see any change. Yeah, and that's and and I think that's a fa that's a failing for that team. Now, okay, um, some big some big news. We'll get to the the news now, and then we'll talk about a few more games and talk about some other things and take some questions at the end of the show. Um, Sidney Crosby. It was reported a couple days the last couple days he was contemplating sports hernia surgery or maybe just toughing it out. 
Well, the decision came down today. He is having the surgery. They say he's going to be out a minimum of six weeks. And this is a tough decision for the Penguins because now they've survived in the past without Malkin for long stretches, without Crosby for long stretches. They got Malkin back recently. Um, they can survive without one of these guys for a prolonged period. But with the tightness of the race in the, in the, in the East, I mean, they're going to have to play above 500 to stay in the playoff race by the time Crosby comes back. And that means without, without Latang, but that means Matt Marie staying healthy and playing well. Right now he is playing really well. He is. And so is Jerry. Jerry is playing. He's got over, I think a 2.6 goals against he's playing pretty good. So, but they're going to need all hands on deck to make up for Crosby. But I think they're capable. Like they, they know that this is the game and, They'll eventually make another move. I, I don't expect anything other than that. Crosby made the right decision. We talked about it yesterday. This is why Eagles fans were so mad at Deshaun Jackson because he had basically the same issue. He tries to strengthen it up and come back, and he gets re-injured, and he's probably out for the year. Crosby's smarter than that. He's like, you know what? We're just going to have to take another chin right now. Let me go rehab. You know, get the operation, start rehabbing right away. Get back as soon as I can. That's the right way to do it. Yeah, and this is like this is sort of like a high ankle sprain too. This is an injury. They say yeah. six weeks, but they you don't want to rush back from a sports hernia injury. You know, it's going to take time to build build up strength in that area. Um, so, I mean, it, it could be it could be two months. It could be eight weeks. I don't think it'll be that long with Crosby. They'll use the hyperbaric chamber and such. Yeah, that's true. But so I, I think six, yeah. seven weeks. Yeah. Um, another, another injury plagued, not say Crosby's injury plagued, but another, uh, move of an injury plagued player. Uh, the Islanders placed Andrew Ladd on waivers today. Apparently he was, I didn't know he was down in Bridgeport on a, uh, on a, a rehabilitation stint, but, uh, the, the statement from the Islanders said that they hadn't seen enough out of the five games that he played in Bridgeport that uh, necessitated him being activated and being on the uh, on the roster. So they're placing him on waivers to go down to Bridgeport. And there's no risk here of him being claimed because he's got three years left, I believe five and a half million. But I, I, need, I need to say this to the Islander fans, as some of the ones that uh, were chanting and booing and hissing John Tavares yesterday, because they seem to blame John Tavares solely for him leaving for Toronto and he would have left for Toronto if he didn't want to, but he also left because the Islanders were a shit show. Right. Uh, especially under Garth snow. It's right. changed now under Lou and under Barry yep. Trotz, but it was. And if you need evidence, exhibit a of that shit show was the signing of Andrew led to what was it? Six years, five years yep. at five and a half million dollars. There's your reason why they couldn't afford Tavares. There's five and a half million bucks that you've thrown away. You could have used that to sign Tavares. Maybe he would have stayed if you overpaid him. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, that was a horrible contract. He's a great guy. I get it. But you never know at what age. Like, I, I always tell people, people always, you know, talk about age. Like, I was talking about a player I see in decline in baseball the other day. And they're like, well, he's only 25, 26. It doesn't matter. I'm seeing decline, which means by 29, he might be irrelevant. So how old's Lad here? Uh, I think Lad's 31. He's been irrelevant. 
he's been irrelevant for at least two seasons. He's been irrelevant since he came to the island. He he's been irrelevant since they traded him to Chicago. Yeah. So this you never know when Father Time's calling and when you're an athlete and this is not the right era for Andrew Ladd. He was never the fastest guy. So yeah, Ladd, what they had to do. Ladd is 33. 33. So he, he may have been finished by 29. You know, like really a useful player. Yeah, and he's got he's got three years left at five and a half million. And they only save 1.025 million by sending him down to the minors. So this is not a cost cutting move. Now, did, they send up, did they send up Josh Hosang? No, no. I don't think. I think they just sent him. I think they just sent him down. I didn't see a corresponding move of a player coming up. Of course not, because things are going good. Why? Why give a kid a chance? They're not going to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope for Hosang's. I mean, we haven't heard a thing about Hosang. Uh, in at least a couple weeks, I I'm checking right now just to I'm see. I'm doing the same because I, I I'm curious. Yeah, whether yeah there he is on the raw. I mean he's on the he's on the roster, but he hasn't played a game. Yeah, yeah he's so he's in limbo until they make a move, and that maybe it's reflective of the fact that nobody is offering anything because he's been trouble. But I mean you would think that somebody would be interested. I mean I think so now he can't play on the AHL or NHL level. Well, he's a right now. He's a healthy scratch at the AHL level until he gets traded. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Like, what is the point of that? Well, exactly. I mean, I mean, they, they, you know, they could say, well, he requested a trade, but I mean, this is the this is the thing. He's twenty three years old. Um, if he if he if if they don't trade him, I would be shocked if they qualify him next year. Right. And then he becomes an unrestricted free agent and goes anywhere he wants. But this is just, you know, I mean, it's not a good situation. I thought Lou, you know, Lou usually, I, you know, when, when the situation came up with Frankie Corrado, um, he knew that Babcock wasn't going to play him, and Corrado was sent to Pittsburgh as part of the, uh, the deal. I think it was the Eric Fair deal. Yeah, um, he at least got a chance with Pittsburgh more than more than a chance that he would have gotten with Toronto, and then he ended up in the minor leagues. He actually ended up back with the Marlies last year. But the whole thing about this, this has been an issue since like October twenty seventh when Andrew Gross wrote about it. Yeah, we're like well into November now, and he's not playing, and they won't call him up, and they and they're and they're not playing him. Like it doesn't even make sense. Yeah. It doesn't even make sense. Yeah. He demanded a trade, asked for a trade, whatever. Who cares? James in the chat says, you know, Hosang. I don't think Hosang was placed on waivers, was he? Yes, he was. He had to be to get sent down. Yeah. Right, right. He was right. He was placed on waivers and nobody claimed him. Well, that's not a statement on Hosang not having. Not at all. Yeah. You know, you know what it is? I mean, the same thing can be said about, and I'm not comparing the two, but Nick Batan was placed on waivers. Nick right. Batan scored seven points in three games for the Marlies. Um, a lot of people think he's a, a you know, an, a borderline NHL or might be willing to give him a chance. But the problem is, is that with roster sizes and with cap situations, they want to trade a player for player. Right. The Leafs don't want another player for Batan. They want to open up cap space. They want to clear a contract. And right. they put him out there twice in six weeks. Yeah. Nobody claimed him. 
Yeah. So, you know, the whole saying, it's basically the same thing. Like this whole saying situation is really awful. It is. Yeah. Um, and maybe his chance will be when, you know, he may have to wait another year before expansion. You know, maybe Seattle will be an opportunity. He's a young, exciting player. But the thing is, by that time, he's 25 years old. That's seven years from the year he was from the time he was drafted. Still, Robin Regeer took until he was like 25 to break through. It could still happen. True. A um, couple other things. Um, according to Pierre Lebrun, there's still ongoing discussions uh, planned. Uh, the, the discussions will be, will be held today between the LA Kings and Ilya Kovalchuk's camp. Uh, <laughs> the, he has a 50% bonus uh, due on December 15th, and LeBron says that looms large, so we're not sure we'll see anything concrete done until after that, but you never know. Well, this is the thing. Again, when the news came out a couple days ago, it's a 35 and over contract. There's no way to escape it. Uh, if he retires, they take the cap hit next year, six and a quarter. If he goes back to the KHL, he take they take the cap hit six and a quarter. If they send him to the minors, if they if they tell him they're never playing him, cap hit six and a quarter. The only way they get that guy off of the books is to trade him. And who's gonna and no, even if some even if they retain 50% and make him a three million dollar player, is there anybody who takes him? I don't think so. The, apparently the two teams that were bidding up Kovalchuk that were interested a couple years ago when he was a free agent were San Jose and Boston. San Jose's got enough old old guys. Yeah, they got a collection. Old expensive guys. And do you think Boston wants no. him any you know they took Yarmur Yager but that was the Yarmur Yager who had the workmanlike effort who was you know trying to stay you know he was he was actually a good teammate and a good example. Right. Is Kovalchuk an example that you want in your locker room? Nope. No. And the Rangers won't do it either because I don't think they'd want Kovalchuk with the young Russian players there. Nope. And Panarin. Yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. Um, Curious, um, healthy scratch tonight in Buffalo between two struggling teams, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Sabres. Um, Colin Miller, who's played, I think, almost every – I think he's played every game. For for the uh, for the Sabers is a healthy scratch. Marco Scandella, who was hurt a couple weekends ago, uh, is uh, is back in the lineup. I'm going to be curious to see the list of scouts in the uh, in the press box in uh, in Buffalo uh, tonight, Russ, because yeah. I have a feeling that Scandella is being showcased. Yeah, I, I'm. But again, what is he really worth? For, there's enough. There's enough to teams out there looking for defensemen that I think there be there would be interest. And the and the Sabers the Sabers are looking for uh, some forward help. You know, maybe there's somebody out there that is a situation where that team wants to get rid of a forward and and yeah, but he's making four seven. How much are they going to eat? It's a four million cap hit, but the salary's four seven. What is what are they going to eat on that? They can't eat anything right now. They're up, yeah, so they're up against more. I mean, Scandella, it's not like you put him on your team. Like, even Winnipeg won't want him. Well, Winnipeg won't want him because they can't, they, they there's no resolution to the situation with Bufflin right now. So they don't know what uh, what's going on. They don't know if they have cap space or not. And they, they, they can't make a move until they know whether they have cap space or not. Was but was that was this a bottle signing? Oh, I think it was just before him because it's 17, 18. 
Yeah, no. Bottle's been this bottle's in his second year. That was right. So yeah, this is not a signing for no, him. Scand Scandella was a was he was acquired in the trade. He was part of the Tyler oh, Ennis, Tyler Ennis uh right. you know, Yeah. Um I was so, just looking at that straight salary history. So Marcus Felino, Tyler Ennis, Pominville was the Pominville deal. Okay. Well, this was not a great deal because they didn't really get much, and now you can't move his salary. I don't. I don't think he's gonna move. I don't think anybody wants him. At, See, I, I, think, I think he'll move closer to the deadline. If it's the deadline when it's a half of that, yeah, right. Um, okay, so a few other games last night. Just touch on them, and then we'll take some questions. And we've got a couple other things. Um, Ottawa beats New Jersey four to two. Ottawa's played much better of late. I think New Jersey was up in that game. Yeah, they were. I think they were up two nothing. And uh, but the Senators have played really well of late. Uh, JG Pajot with a hat trick. Um, I, I, I mean, the, the funny thing is, Pajot is a guy they're going to trade. You know that they're going to trade him. Yeah. Um, now, you know, if if he takes a hometown discount or something like that, you know, I mean, is it a possibility he stays? Sure. But I think that the Senators are basically in a posture where anybody who's not nailed down is getting traded, and they have eight unrestricted free agents. It just, just quickly go through them because mm -hmm. you know, Michael Bodker, I don't think anybody's going to want. Nemestikov at three and a quarter, who's playing pretty well for them. Uh, poss possibility. Now, Peugeot is an RFA, not a UFA. but No, they're going to sign him. They like him. I don't blame him. Well, I, maybe, maybe, maybe not. The thing is, Russ, they've had guys who are RFAs too that they, you know, if they don't want to pay him and sign him long term, they're going to trade him. No, they won't trade Pezzo. You watch. Okay. Uh, Tyler Ennis is a, is a fourth line veteran guy. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't think that that's going to, you know, they, maybe they trade him for a draft pick, but yeah, that would be it. Ron Hainsey could be traded. DeMello could be traded. Craig they, Anderson. Craig Anderson. DeMello is a very reasonable contract. Hainsey will get traded. Yeah. Craig Anderson will definitely be traded. He'll definitely get traded. Yeah, so you know, there's gonna be a lot of in and out with that with that organization over the last, next couple months. But now, talk about the Devils. Blackwood did not have a good game last night. Um, I saw a couple of goals that I thought were fairly weak. Uh, three goals on 24 shots. The Devils, you know, I mean, not that I expect them to get back into the playoff race, but to just be respectable, they're going to need their goaltending to be a little better than it has. And I don't know whether that can be the case. Louis Domingue will get a shot at some point. Well, I mean, otherwise it didn't make any sense for them to make that move. It's either right. it's either to replace Blackwood if they send Blackwood down to Binghamton, or it's to you know take the spot of Schneider if they decide to waive Schneider. But right, I mean that that's a six million dollar cap hit with At some point. Stuff has to happen. They're in trouble otherwise. Because you got to remember Taylor Hall's watching them lose. Yeah. And he's going to watch him lose probably from another team next year, the way it's yeah. going. Um, Capitals beat the Flyers 2-1 to one in a shootout. You had some thoughts on this? Yeah. I, I mean, I get it where, you know, the Flyers want to say, hey, we, we held the best team in hockey to one goal in three periods. That's fine. And I think Claude Giroux scored in a shootout again. He actually put on a nice move if I was watching the right video highlight, which I think I was. But end of the day, they have six regulation wins. And this is going to be a big problem for this team because this is what happened with a lot of these veterans in the Hackstall era. So follow me. The teams that are outside the playoffs, 
Penguins, seven wins. Leafs, six wins. These are regulation. Carolina, seven. Buffalo, six. Tampa, six. Rangers, seven. Even Ottawa and Detroit have six, even though they have no chance. So just because the Islander, the Flyers are in the third spot, the fact that they're not winning regulation games early, that's when you have to win them. Because later in the season, everybody's trying for a point. If you start trying for that point too early, it could come back and bite you, man. Yeah, I mean, right now I don't think teams are focused on regulation or shootout. They're just they're focusing on the two points. But down the line, it's going to be a factor. I mean, that's a tie, that's a very meaningful tiebreaker. It's like you know that races are going to come down to one or two points, and you know it's sort of like a half point in a sense because. Right. And that's that's big when it comes down to these, you know, when you know points are just as big in the first twenty games as they are in the final twenty games. I mean, you gained a point, you gave Washington two. Just remember that. Right. Yeah, and uh, Funky uh, in the chat says close only counts in horseshoes, hand grenades, and Mike's gray sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> I give you points on that one. Um, now three one stars beat the Flames. Um, Who was it, mean, Mike? Was the, who was in that for the Flames? I'm tracking. I think it was Riddich. Oh, no, no. It was, it was, uh, it was Cam Talbot. I told you earlier. It was Cam Talbot. Yes, it was. That was a setup. Well, sorry. I don't, I don't remember the setup. Um, but now this this is the thing. Um, you Joe like Ernest Biner in, in the playoffs. Joe Pavelski with a couple goals, which I'm sure is very good news to the to the yeah. Dallas Stars because he had started out really slowly. But the uh, there was a lot of noise over the last week regarding uh, Jim Montgomery calling out uh, Sagan and Ben because again last year they had the slow start, this year they have the slow start. I mean, at a certain point, don't you think that? I mean, I know those contracts are tough to move if, if, if not impossible, but I mean, something's got to change there. If this is continuing to be a problem where these players start slow. No, I agree, but I, they're not going to move Sagan. No, that would be the guy you'd like to move, but Ben doesn't score enough anymore to want to do that. So it's like to get a really good guy, workman like guy who doesn't score as much. I don't know if they want to pay that salary. So I don't think anybody moves. I think they just have to light a fire under them. Pavelski couldn't score two goals because they only had one in that game. I do want to point that out. Well, wasn't it three one? Three one stars. Oh, three one stars. Sorry. Yeah, which is un unusual right. because unusual because right. Cam Talbot got first star in the game as, you know, as the losing goalie. As the losing goalie, so he must have. I didn't see any of the highlights, so he must have stood on his head. Yeah. But uh, no, but Pavel and Pavelski got. Two goals, and he was the third star of the game. I did see a little bit where Bishop was playing well. I mean, that that is the key to them. I mean, Bishop does have to play well. Yeah, and here's the thing: Jamie Ben, five years left at nine and a half million. That's a you know, unless you find a contract that is just as onerous, and it, it's that that it's somebody of a comparable age that needs a change of scenery. I don't know how. That gets moved. I mean, People turn into their Dustin Brown. Like that's the way it's going. Right. I mean, you know, there are there are players out there that have term like that that teams might want to move on from. But I, those 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 deals are really tough to make. I, but this isn't Dallas's fault because he's had hip injuries. He had both hips done recently. So 
you know, that's you can't predict that when you sign a guy to a deal. He was young when they signed them. Sure. Um, the other the other game was something that you watched a little bit of. I just heard about yeah. and, and checked out some highlights. Uh, the Blackhawks win five three over Vegas. Now, interesting thing in this game, and I, I, I saw I saw the Hawks on Sunday against the Leafs. The line combo of DeBrinket, Strom, and Kane has really been working well. They had they com- combined for two goals against the Golden Knights. Uh, I mean, again, I look back at that deal, and for those who think that John Chaika is a great general manager, uh, that the mishandling of Dylan Strom in Arizona is has sort of come back to bite them because he is. He's a he's been a perfect fit, and maybe maybe it's the fit in Chicago. But he's been a perfect fit there. Plays with his old junior line mate to bring it. Now they have Kane on that line. That line is scoring in big bunches. Takes the offensive heat off of the Taves and mm-hmm. Scott. Um, you know we know that Chicago has some fatal flaws. Mm-hmm. Their defense is not good, but their goaltending. You said Crawford was unbelievable. Yes, he was unbelievable. Like he made some just amazing saves. He he stoned. Mark Stone on a breakaway, but apparently Stone has um, really worked on his speed because you don't really think of Mark Stone ever like getting a breakaway or getting behind the defense at his size, and so he looks pretty good. So that's something where that's that's a big thing for his career because they just signed him to a long-term deal, so he obviously dedicated himself to skating in the offseason, which is smart. And no offense, but, I mean, he'll have to do that every year. That's what hockey players have to do now to sort of keep up. I do want to point out as well in that game, the high danger chances for both teams were insane. Flurry was just, you know, he was making some really good saves, but I don't know if he's going to survive this season. He's had 478 shots against in 16 games to show what the difference there is. Freddie Anderson in 15 games has had 467. So, and I bet you if we break him down, Flurry not only has faced more shots than Anderson, but probably more high danger shots because both those teams, the defense was a hot mess. There really wasn't defense. Yeah, and I mean, we all know. I mean, Flurry, I think is thirty four or thirty five. He's got to play less than I would say sixty games. He's thirty four, but he's three hundred fifty one days, so he's going to be thirty five at the end of the month. Right. He's he's got to play 50 to 55 games and right now they don't have a backup goaltender. I mean, I, I saw I saw Malcolm Subban last week against the Leafs. He played well. They lost 2 to 1 in overtime. Um maybe that merits more workload, but I don't know if they're going to give him enough of a workload to really spell Flurry. They well, really lead the league in games played. Yeah, and Anderson's not far behind and you know the oh, he's one game back, behind. Yeah, the, you know the backup situation in Toronto and that's I mean last night I honestly think that Anderson looked tired. Yeah. And he, he didn't play on Saturday. They played they played Hutchinson or Sunday. They played Hutchinson, so you know, he got a few a few days rest and didn't seem to help. You know, when you're when you're playing goalies over and over again, a few days rest doesn't do enough. What we're what I found out on another show that I was on is they're now just trying to limit Flurry taking shots in practice, so he doesn't have so many shots that he has to stop even just in practice. Right. I don't know if that's going to matter. He's just facing way too many shots. That's the answer, and that's the difference in Vegas right now. 
Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think that you know, and and Toronto's doing the same thing: lessening practices, less, lessening workloads, uh, no morning skates or optional morning skates. That's all fine and good, but when you're when you're facing high impact shots on goal and scoring chances in games, that's what tires you out. So you know, when you're well, forty shots a night or having to you know stretch like Gumby, it, it's tough. It's tough on goaltenders. It really is. Now, last night, I heard Cody Glass's name, and I know he was sent down the other day. Yeah. So that, that has confused me. <laughs> Could it have been a paper move? And I'm, I'm just looking, I'm looking at the box score right now just to see if he was in the lineup or not. Because, you know, we've seen – how many times have we seen this year somebody gets sent down and gets called up the next day? I mean, it could have been Dick Stockton. Yeah, no, he, was, he, he was in the lineup. Yeah, I was going to say Dick Stockton could have been calling the game and then, you know. Anybody, anybody was, was Leslie Visser on anywhere in the uh, in the area? No, but anybody's name could be called at that point. So I guess it was a paper transaction because Cody Glass was in there, and I thought I saw him for the short time I watched. So that's good for him. I, I think that's a big help for them. But they're short on defense. They just are. Like even with even with Schmidt back, they're short on defense. Yeah, no, even with even with him back, they're short on defense, and that's what you have to worry about with that team. But that was the first time that the um, Blackhawks have ever beaten the Golden Knights. They've never beaten them. All right, uh, some questions here. Thomas, you don't even care about that. Whatever. I, I did. I agreed. A lot of big time. If I'm moving on. I agreed. A lot of big time factoid, and you're just like flee it right off. Whatever. <laughs> uh, Thomas Boyle asks, Mike, <laughs> do you think the Islanders game yesterday was on Varlamov or on the Islanders' defensive play? Well, I'm not sure what you mean on. Meaning, um, the, you know, just they didn't play as well as they probably the score says. I don't remember Varlamov making one great defensive play. Honestly, well, then, then, so then I, he, I, the think, I think the game. I think the game was on the Leafs' lack of defensive play okay. and their, and their and the failing of their special teams. Like I said, they went over two and no shots on goal on the power play. They gave up two power play goals. Their their special teams are both in the bottom third of the league. Uh, they, the two of the, two of the regular strength goals were on complete bafflingly, uh, brain dead turnovers by Nylander Janssen and then by Barry. See, I think Thomas has like a fishing picture there. I wonder if he was fishing for sunnies. We used to fish. We used to catch sunnies up in like, uh, upstate New York. Sunnies? Sunnies they were called. Yeah. I don't know what type of fish that really is, but that was obviously a nickname. Let me see if I can. Did you, eat them? did you eat them? No, no, I don't think we ever ate them. I think we always did the catch and release. Uh, I would never, so, eat anything. I would never eat anything I caught in Lake Erie because it had dioxin or some sort of. Oh yeah, Lake Erie. Yeah, I, I totally get it. No, Sunny's is a um, is a bluegill. Okay. Okay. And so yeah, we never ate them, but we used to catch them. Okay. Uh <laughs> Little knowledge there. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um. Where was that one here? Now I feel like I'm more appreciated on this show. There, there you go. Of course, I'm, I'm looking for the question that I saw, but of course the chat advances. Oh, uh, somebody said. Oh, somebody said. I can't. I don't remember. I'm, I'm just doing it by memory here. Somebody said, "When is enough enough with the Leafs?" And um, all season, man, that it's going to have to get really bad if you think Babcock's getting fired. Shifty sixteen. When is enough enough in Toronto? Well. 
Babcock's not getting fired. That's, That's a good logo. He spent a lot on that, a lot of time on that logo there, Shifty did. You see the S logo there? Yeah, that's not bad. I like no, that. that's pretty good. He might um, be a graphic designer. Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I, I like. I, I. I. Even if the Leafs, I think, are in a wild card race, I think Babcock is safe. He's safe if, as long as they're in a playoff race. Yeah. Right. If they, if they lose, and I've said this throughout the year, if they lose 10 and 12 games in a row, and they're out of it, then I think he gets fired. Right, and I think it'll be like Dave Haxtall is the interim coach for the rest of the year, and then Sheldon Keith would take over the following year. They yeah, won't. And they they put the binder away again that has the parade route. They go, all right, closes the book on another season. <laughs> parade route. She, my God. All right. Um, Esmir, Esmir asks, would you uh, would you see the Islanders trading for Taylor Hall at the deadline in order to get a winger for Barzil? Um, I don't think they'll give up the kind of assets that the Devils would be asking for. I think Lou especially won't want to help out New Jersey. Yeah, especially a team – if it was New Jersey and New Jersey was in another division maybe. but Lou doesn't necessarily get along very well with that owner. Is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say. Well, that's the owner that put him up in a in – a, uh, Emeritus position is correct president and hired Shiro underneath his nose. So yeah, I think you're probably right. Well, I don't think that deal will happen. I think you'd like to see the, the owner rot in hell, but what the hell? I, I'm not gonna say anything for Lou. Lou can talk for himself. Yep. Uh let's see, a couple more questions. Um, hey Russ, our friend Joe, why isn't Hank playing tonight? It's a good question. Georgia played last game, he got a win. They've been riding the hot hand with Georgiev as much as possible, but when they did the three in a row, then they got stung. So I guess they figured two in a row is okay. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. I don't. I don't think that's a big deal. Um, Mark asks, give me an example of a player that would help the Leafs push back on physical teams. I don't think one player will do it. That's the problem. They. Aubrey Polak. <laughs> He's injured, I think. He's injured, yeah. Um, well, okay, I'll give you an example. And I know Elliot Friedman. Sorry. I know Elliot Friedman mentioned him on a recent 31 Thoughts podcast, and he was interviewed, was Kyle Clifford. Uh, because Kyle Clifford is inexpensive. I think he's 1.6 mil, and LA probably would retain half the salary to get an asset for him. He's a UFA. Supposedly, he would want to go back to LA, or they would want him to go back to LA because he's been a good soldier for them. But he's a you know big winger, yeah. experienced. I mean, the problem is, is that right now, who on the Leafs provides pushback? Jake Muzzin, Zach Hyman, Zach Hyman. You don't want Zach Hyman fighting, but you know he'll no. he'll, he'll hit the go in the corners. So so will Muzzin to an extent. Justin Hall, who's a bottom pairing defenseman, Dermot, right. Dermot doesn't get pushed around. After that, I mean, you got feisty guys like Janssen who like like to snip around, but they're not physical guys. But again, when when guys are picked on in a game, like as an example, Ryan Lindgren on the Rangers. We'll go in there and push the guy around. He doesn't have to fight him. Right. If a few more Leafs did that, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Yeah, somebody – like I said, Scott Mayfield hit Tavares 
Nobody even shoved him after the next whistle. Right. And then that's, I'm sorry, that's inexcusable. You cannot allow your big players to get, to get muscled around. He's a big, tough kid. He is. I know him very well. Remember, remember, this is a team, this is a team that last year in game seven of the first round against Boston, Zdeno Chara punched Tavares in a, in a scrum along the boards. I mean, like in the face, like knocked, knocked them down. Nobody did anything. Now it's Chara, but at least you, at least you go and do something. At least you show that that's not acceptable. And the problem is that right now there's maybe two or three players on that on that Leaf team who will provide any kind of pushback. And you know, guys like you're not going to get it from Nealander. You're not going to get it from Matthews. You're not going to get it from Marner. They're not going. That's not their game. Okay, then you get a couple players. You, you sit guys like Nick Shore and Freddie Gauthier, and you put a couple players in there like Clifford or calling up Mason Marchman if you consider him an NHL, uh, if you consider him an NHL capable player. But you need those players. Uh, I think it was I think it was uh, uh, Doug Armstrong who said, "Oh no, it was Brian McClellan who said that the 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 GM of the Capitals." Who said you need a balance of speed, skill, and strength and size? You I got a better quote than that. Go ahead. If you can't beat them on the ice, you can't beat them in the alley. Who said that, Mike? Fred Shiro. Con Smythe when he was with the Leafs. See, it's an age-old argument for the Leafs. It's a different game now. Yeah, but it's not so different. You that got a little Con Smythe in you. That's what I'm telling you. There you go. All right, any more questions in the chat? I don't see any, so I think we'll end the show there. Um, yeah, let's see. Oh, here you go. One more. Randy, our friend Flamester. Will Taylor Hall go to Alberta? Um, if you're talking about before the deadline? I don't think he wants to go to a Canadian market. I would be surprised. Yeah. I just get the feeling he doesn't want the scrutiny anymore. If I had to guess, you know, Karnak, put the turban on my head, Sim Saladim. Uh, I would say he's going to Colorado, Colorado, Carolina, Florida. Yeah. I would look at those teams, teams that have a backlog of prospects and draft picks who can, who can make the playoffs, who can make also have a very even keel media market, you know, uh, uh, t- uh, uh, New Jersey would be willing, likely to retain 50% of the salary if they get a better return. Definitely. So that makes him a $3 million player, which would open up teams like Florida, team Carolina as the cap space, Colorado. Well, for Taylor Hall is a bargain. Like anybody would want to do that. Right. So, all right. Uh, good show. We will be back tomorrow with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast. For Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching. And remember, without the buzz. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.